0: Welcome and thanks so much for tuning in today. Here's the thing you guys, this is what you need to know about more Joey. I'm the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself, all the time. The goal of this podcast is to help you go unfiltered. We use so many covers to hide our true selves and it's time to stop living your life according to what the ideal police think you should be doing and step into who you were created to be. More vulnerable, more authentic, and more free. Dr. Shannon Morgenstern is on the podcast today, and I'm super excited. She's a naturopathic doctor with a private practice in Calgary, Alberta, who focuses on digestive complaints, hormones, and fatigue. Guys, this is stuff we need to know more about. Her goal is to help make the digestion and lives of especially millennial women as happy and healthy as they can be. Dr. Shannon has spoken on multiple stages with community groups, CrossFit teams, and national associations on topics related to gut health and digestion, environmental medicine for healthcare professionals, and stress management. She also has a monthly membership called Food as Medicine, where she shares her knowledge of gardening, preserving, helping make healthy food delicious, foraging, and even a little DIY medicine with participants to encourage true health and lasting well-being. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Dr. Shannon. Welcome back to the More Jody Podcast. Happy January. Thank you. I'm very excited to be back. Right? Feels like it's been a few, even though it's only been... It's only been a little bit, but I thought it was really important that we talk to you first thing in January to get our month started in, and our year, our new year started in the healthiest way possible. And I do have to say, I, I was feeling so excited and energized that, you know, 2021 is here. And then I realized it's just rolling to a new day. <laughs> totally. And all my dreams crashed to the floor, <laughs> much like 2020. No, it's- <laughs> it's a reset
1: it can't be the garbage fire that has been 2020 so
0: can't be so as much as we just roll the calendar just rolls you know the sunsets um you know and comes up again it's it's a new year so excited to have you on here and january is the month of fad diets fitness resolutions cleanses and then followed up by depression failure stress stress from feeling failure and all those things and so I'm all for change and growth, but I want to ask some questions to get clear on what the doctor thinks about the best choices we can make um, for how we frame our year with health and fitness and cleanses and all those good things. So let's dig in and discuss bad diets. Yes, it's a big topic. It is a big topic. Is it one that people come to you with very often? I feel like people have all these ideas and they don't take them to the doctor. Like they don't, they don't want, cause you're just going to be like, eat healthy and exercise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I definitely think that I will start to see patients trickling in when they're having problems on these diets. So a diet sort of gets introduced and gets popular. And then I start to see and have to fix
0: people from the mess that has been created. That's interesting. And I feel like, um, if you had to pick, like if I gave you a list of fad diets and I said the keto diet or the carnivore diet or whole 30 or intermittent fasting or being a vegan, what would you pick? If you had to pick one, this is like, would you rather?
1: One of those, or could I pick a different one?
0: Oh, you could pick a different one. I think my go-to for where my body feels best is, is paleo. Oh, I love paleo actually. Yes. Yeah. And have you done it for a very like extended period of time at all?
1: Yeah, off and on. Um, but I like everybody else will sort of get lazy and fall off the wagon and play with things and experiment with different things and see how my body feels. But it's definitely the one that my body feels best with for sure.
0: That's interesting. I think I probably feel best having like really small amounts of meat and and like almost I wanna say maybe like a pescatarian. Like someone who kind of eats fish and then like lots of vegetables. Like I think that's how I, and nuts and, or Mediterranean diet, maybe give me some feta.
1: Do you know what blood type you are?
0: Yes, I am O negative.
1: Interesting. So that tends to not be the typical O negative cravings.
0: I know. And I do like, I tried being vegan for a while and then I just needed a roasted bird in my life. Like I would, I would like binge, I think I did it for like a month and a half or something, but I would binge on like roasted chicken. I was like, I just need to like gnaw on a bone. (laughs) (laughs) It's so gross, but, um, so yeah, so let's discuss some of these diets and, um, you probably kind of, well, you definitely know more about them than I do, but if we were to start and talk a little bit first about the keto diet and for people listening, I want to say that's a diet made up up of whipped cream and bacon, but, um, what would you, how would you explain the keto diet?
1: Yeah. So keto diet, basically a lot of people will use it as a really big jump start for weight loss and so basically you are significantly limiting your carbohydrate intake you are eating a ton of fat and sort of a moderate amount of protein so it's it's really trying to switch your body from burning carbohydrates as your energy source to burning fat as your energy source. So it can take a little while to have your body kind of get into what we call ketosis or that um, that switch over from burning carbs to burning fat. So a lot of times, especially when people are starting keto, they'll get what's called the keto flu. And really that's sort of just the body's adjustment period of trying to figure life out once you've pulled out all the carbs that you normally eat.
0: Interesting. And what are your thoughts on the keto diet?
1: I think the keto diet can be, it's sort of like any diet, I would say, in that I think there are not great ways to do it, and I think there are some better ways to do it. However, particularly with keto, I feel like it is a really good tool um, as part of a comprehensive plan, especially for patients who who are using it for weight loss goals. I think it should be just a part of the plan and not the whole plan. And I am often concerned about what we see for patients who are doing it long term without support. And so this is, I would say, the biggest one that I've had patients come into my office um, being a bit of a mess, having been on it for months and months and months at a time.
0: I have a friend who does it very scientifically, like she measures everything and has been very successful with it, but, and I think she's probably lost like 80 pounds and just kind of stays there now. But my feeling is that you can't really go off it.
1: You can, but it's sort of the you know the same thing with coming off of any restrictive diet and that your body will adjust and if you go back to the same habits that you had previous right. and you know eat a bagel for breakfast with jam and then a sandwich for lunch and then pasta for dinner you're right. going to have trouble and so i think really the the take home message for a lot of these sort of fad diets and things is that if you don't have a long term plan set out it's unlikely that you're going to be successful long term well, and I
0: think the big thing um for people is it's it's mostly like all of these diets, really what they do is they take out the toxic sugar and like break the chain of like break the habit. They break the habit of grabbing a quick latte with you, know, or with like a I don't know, a Starbucks drink or like there's so much of those things that that they take out that it's it's literally not as much, I feel like the diet that they're getting success from. It's a lot of the um, Go to snacky things that they would have before that are removed, but I feel like you could remove those also and and eat healthy and exercise and see huge results i I would agree mostly, except
1: that I find with keto because you know you could have a meal that's got cheese and bacon and you're like hitting your macros for low carb and protein and high fat but a a diet of cheddar cheese and bacon is not sustainable long-term nor is it truly healthy for you. And so, like I said, I think there, there are healthier ways to do things. And I often encourage, I mean, I see so much dairy sensitivity in patients that I would generally encourage people to, to really make sure that they're not dairy sensitive or lactose intolerant and then encourage them to do like a dairy free keto Um, And it's, it's really important to still be getting, you know, your carbs in terms of vegetables and greens and that kind of thing, because all those nutrients are still really important.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. I don't even know what the carnivore diet is other than just like tons of meat or like Katniss Everdeen, like rabbits and berries and twigs. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's sort of, it makes the carnivore diet overall makes me really sad. It makes me really sad because It seems to be a lot of people who have struggled and can't figure out how to eat without feeling digestively upset or, you know, it's, it's sort of kind of like a last resort for things. And so the thought is that if they pull out all these different things, grains and vegetables and, you know, nuts and seeds and all that kind of stuff and eating mostly meat that they feel better with it. And so my big thing with the carnivore diet is let's just get your digestion sorted out so that you can eat vegetables because, you know other than a few very select first nations tribes in northern canada the inuit you know who are hugely meat eating and that's sort of it for the most part most people don't do that well on and shouldn't have to do that well on on just meat
0: it's there's a guy i um follow on Facebook. Like I've been friends with him for years and he does it. And he always puts up like these breakfasts that are like a T-bone steak and sausages. And I just like, it reminds me of like Gaston from <laughs> Beauty and the Beast oh, no. or Fat Bastard when he sits there and like eats yeah. his jerky legs in bed on Austin Powers. I'm like so grossed out yeah. I'm like mix a vegetable in there. Like, oh totally. I feel like they must not poop. Like, I feel like if you ate that much meat, you would poop like I don't know, like not enough.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's just, it's huge digestive concerns that they've managed by basically cutting out so many different food groups. And if you're, if you're doing well with carnivore and not doing well with everything else, like we can sort you out. That's not a, something's wrong.
0: It's not feeling good. It shouldn't be like that. I always feel too, like it should be like, taste the rainbow, you know, like get those, those veggies and all those colors in your diet and. Totally. And as long as it's not the rainbow of Skittles. No, or Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no Fruit Loops here. Um, Whole30. I have, I want to do this. I want to do Whole30. Not because I think I have any allergies, just as like a reset.
1: I really like Whole30 from the idea that it is, it focuses and helps you recognize sort of where's getting stuck in terms of your... Kind of eating patterns and coping mechanisms and things like that, and you can definitely incorporate those sorts of things into any diet or sort of fad change that you're doing. But Whole30 was sort of built around that to begin with, and so I think that one's a really, really nice one. So basically, Whole30 is a simply, very simply, a paleo diet. So it's meats, fruits, and vegetables, nuts, and seeds. It's no grains. It's no dairy. But they also take out snacks for the most part. They say you can have some snacks if you need them here or there, but they don't want them to be super sugary. You know, you're not just going to have three cups of pineapple and kind of hit those sugar charges. But it's it's much more about, you know, figuring out, am I hungry? Am I bored? Am I thirsty? Like, it's kind of looking at the whole package. And I, I really like it from the standpoint that it can help be that, true sort of food reset and and a bit of a discovery journey to figure out how how you are around food because I think there's so many unconscious things that we aren't aware of in terms of how we're using it as a coping mechanism and and things like that that and I mean I'm a little bit biased because I definitely feel the best on paleo but Whole30 is is challenging because you can't have any added sugar in anything
0: so right or additives right like there can't be anything yeah and that's hard
1: it's hard yeah so it's it's not for the faint of heart but it's i quite like it but the nice thing about it too i think is that it's really only meant it's called whole 30 because it's meant to be 30 days Right. So it's not meant to be a forever, you're gonna do this for the rest of your life. And then within the program as well, they sort of talk about how to reintroduce foods and you can see then uh, if there are foods when you add them back in, if you're like, oh yeah, like I actually really badly react to that. Maybe I should dig into this a bit more. So I I quite like Whole30, but it it can be restrictive. And I think one thing for all of these fad diets that I really want to encourage caution around is is if people have had, issues in the past with eating disorders or things like that, it's really important that we be so super careful and so super gentle, especially when we start restricting foods, because that can be very triggering for a lot of people, especially women.
0: Oh, totally. One thing I find like a friend of mine did whole 30. She doesn't maybe every January or something, but like she snores really bad and I think has maybe has like a deviated septum or something also. But when she did whole 30, she stopped snoring and then now she knows that it wine makes her snore or um she had a pretty strong reaction to rice and i always say like obviously there are guidelines at food that comes for food that comes in from other countries but i feel like rice must have pesticides that aren't the same as in canada do you know what i mean
1: rice I is a little bit of a hard one
0: yeah i don't
1: i don't know that that we've sort of seen that rice can be a hard one in terms of its exposure to arsenic right it often occurs sort of naturally in the ground especially in places like asia Um, so in an ideal world to be consuming rice and organic um, i mean but i mean we even see issues with places like california because the arsenic will stay in the soil for a really long time and in the past they used arsenic based. Uh, pesticides and things like that to treat oh. things so it's just it's in a lot of stuff so I think a lot of people sort of the best option ideally is either to do an organic rice from California it seems to be a little bit better or some really interesting studies have come out fairly recently actually looking at cooking um, soaking rice overnight before you cook it and then cooking rice more like pasta where you'd pour the water out in the end And that's actually really good at pulling the arsenic out of the rice. So, yeah. So, and then sort of push comes to shove, worst case scenario, do rinse your rice really, really well before you cook it and sort of make sure that it's rinsing and dumping out clean water before you start the process.
0: I literally never do that. That's so gross of me.
1: Yeah. Start rinsing your rice.
0: Yeah. And rice is something that for some reason, um, like, I, I don't, I feel the next day, like puffy, like there's some stuff yeah. with rice that I can tell. So it's interesting when people, you know, do these sorts of things and they have this awareness that comes after it. Like, Oh my goodness, the wine makes me snore. So now she knows if she has wine, like her husband's going to go sleep downstairs. Cause she's yeah. like a rattling like a freight train. Right. So it's just really cool to see how much food is medicine. Right. Like we know that, and yet we eat what we want and you know, we make these choices. And so it's cool to see that elimination diet that shows you like your body doesn't like cheese or whatever. Yeah.
1: Totally. And I think sort of the opposite side of the coin is how much food is what we'd call kind of like anti-medicine.
0: Right. So like Twinkies.
1: Yeah. Or just, you know, how, how your body feels with something. So certainly like somebody who's celiac and has an autoimmune condition um, and struggles with gluten exposure, that's definitely anti-medicine for them. Whereas, you know, for a lot of other people, if they don't have issues, you know, with, with glutinous grains and it's not a problem and it's a good source of fiber and feeds our gut bacteria.
0: So it's all of this stuff is just so individual. Totally. I have to say too, one of my favorite things is um, a few years ago, I did something where it was kind of like, I don't, I don't think it was carb cycling. I don't think that's what it was called, but it was where you would eat sort of keto style for one meal. And then you would wait three hours before you, or three, three to four before you ate again. And then at your next meal, you would be high carb, super low fat. So if you had rice or something, you would have like no butter, no nothing on it. And it was a very like low fat, low carb. And then protein was just kind of like, not minimal, but Um, not, it wasn't pushing big amounts of protein, probably just like your recommended daily intake. Um, and that was really interesting. And that got me off of, you know, um, when we were growing up, they were like, eat every two hours, keep your fire burning, blah, 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 blah. And that ever since I did that, I don't snack the same way. And I feel like I eat a lot more intuitively and I don't know if that's because, um, I did that or if my brain just grew up or what happened in the meantime, but yeah, I feel like I don't appreciate snacks anymore. Um, but I like the three square meals more than that. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, giving our bodies that time to rest in between meals or are you kind of a snack lover? If any people thoughts? are needing snacks, there's
1: potentially two big issues that spring to mind. The first one is that their body's having trouble regulating their blood sugar levels. And so they need more support and some nourishment and and help with balancing that because it should not be the case. The other thing that sort of springs to mind with that is that, I treat and see a lot of patients with a condition called SIBO. Basically SIBO is one of the leading causes of irritable bowel syndrome, which is IBS. And really, really importantly, there's a particular phase of digestion that happens once the food moves out of the small intestine. It, the small intestine, basically the like cleanup crew goes through and you get these little sweeping movements that sweep all of the debris and leftover food particles and bacteria and all that kind of stuff out of the small intestine into the large intestine. And if you've eaten again before the food has gotten out of the small intestine, then that doesn't happen in between meals. So it doesn't catch up. And so then that can kind of set the stage for things like SIBO to occur. And so I really like, I would say encouraging for most patients that whatever your diet looks like, I want a reasonable amount of fat, a reasonable amount of protein, and then at least half your plate of veggies, I think is the... the, Best diet for the majority of people.
0: And what does SIBO stand for again?
1: It's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So basically, the majority of the good probiotics or the good bacteria are supposed to live in your large intestine, but for a variety of reasons, things can get screwed up and too many of the bacteria start living in your small intestine and then just wreak havoc.
0: That's interesting. I know that. Like my sister, basically, she gets crazy hangry. She has to have snacks like all day. She's an avid snacker. Um, and But something I've noticed even in three days a week, I try to track my calories in my fitness pal just so that I know I'm not eating like 2,500 calories, even if they're really healthy calories and stuff like that. And it's been really helpful. Like my breakfast this morning was steel-cut oats. And then I had a tablespoon of hemp hearts, a tablespoon of chia seeds. I did put some brown sugar in it and put some cream in it, which is like... December, and like, I have to. Okay. Um, But that is like literally a 480 calorie breakfast. It keeps me full. Like I was satisfied. And as long as I'm drinking water throughout the morning, like I don't need to eat anything until noon or one o'clock. But yeah, if I have, you know, just a green smoothie and not like a green smoothie and nuts or, you know, some sort of a combination where I get enough fat, good fats or um, good carbs, I do really notice that. So I think something that can help too is tracking that. And then, you know, like this breakfast is this big, which means it should sustain me because it is a slow, isn't, aren't oats slow to digest? Generally. Yeah. Generally, especially steel cut too. Right. Cause they're, yeah. um, and I don't buy any quick cooking stuff, but yeah. So that's something I found really interesting. Like if I just had a green smoothie, I would be hungry a lot sooner. Well, that's only like 200 calories and it's going through me and it's liquid so my body doesn't have to break it down yeah right which i find really interesting so if people are you know struggling with why am i so hungry like you said it could be that your breakfast wasn't sufficient
1: totally and just not the right balance of things because if people you know you have your bagel with cream cheese or your bagel with peanut butter and then two hours later you're starving again and you know you crash because your blood sugar increased so much and then your your insulin is released and it pulls it all into the cells then you know you're you're going to have these big crashes and be super hungry and then be snacking before lunch so it it really is sort of monitoring and seeing how your body mm-hmm. feels with things because everybody's really different
0: crashings the worst yeah that's where women get real hangry okay intermittent fasting so i definitely have said before on the podcast that i um, cured myself of a dairy allergy with intermittent fasting. I just did it for about three months and then I kept off of dairy for a whole year. And then now I just, I really don't have very much. I have half and half in my coffee, but other than that, I don't eat a lot of dairy. Um, but I, I, so I, I do see it as beneficial, but I have friends who go like days upon days without eating and it just makes me feel nervous for them. So let's talk about like, there's obviously fasting where it's, you know, picking a window, but then there's also like fasting. And I'd like to discuss both and what your thoughts are on both styles. Yeah,
1: so I would say there's been a lot of really interesting studies, well, I mean, about all diets. So it sort of just depends which study you look at, depending on which side of the coin you're on, pro or against for something, because you'll be able to find research for either side. But the really interesting thing about intermittent fasting is that you really can do it sort of no matter what diet, other diet or sort of eating guide that you're following. So you can do intermittent fasting with keto. You can do it with Whole30. You can do it if you're vegan, you can do it with paleo. You can do it just eating a regular sort of standard North American diet. So basically intermittent fasting is, is you sort of pick a period of time where you're still going to be consuming the same number of calories that you would have in the whole day. It's just, you're limiting that window to often something like eight hours. And so you're eating a little bit You're eating a bunch more because you're cramming it into eight hours versus kind of spread out over a full day. I would just caution that, again, it's how your body feels doing that. So I definitely have some patients where it made a huge difference for how they are feeling. They're way more energetic. They're feeling really fantastic. But then I've also had patients, and I find especially super stressed out, overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. adrenally messed up patients really, really struggle with intermittent fasting and do very poorly with it. So sort of like everything, see how your body feels with it, play with it a little bit. But the goal is not to eat less. It's just eating the same amount in a shorter time period in the
0: day. I really like to, to do it on occasion. I just can't imagine doing it long term. I don't know. I, I, do, I do find like if I, like on Saturday, I, ate, I overeat on Saturday and then I barely ate on Sunday, but it wasn't like I was starving myself as a punishment. I just didn't feel hungry. You know what I mean? And so I like to not eat if I don't feel hungry, not just because it's breakfast time. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait. And it feels good to wait. Yeah. And and honestly, sort of going back to a comment you made a few minutes
1: ago, I think I wish that the, the fad diet that would gain popularity a whole bunch would be intuitive eating, which oh. isn't really a fad diet, but it's just, it's so lovely and so supportive and so non-judgmental. And yeah. especially as women, I feel like Not only do we need to be in sort of better connection and paying attention to how our bodies are feeling and what they're asking for and what they're saying, but to take away the guilt around food is such a a huge, important piece of things. And intuitive eating, there's some really great books and programs out there, but it's it's such a lovely one.
0: I definitely agree with that. And I feel like, I think that's something for me that really... Feels like it makes sense as long as I'm not in. Like, I ate a lot of cake the other day and got myself into like a little bit of a sugar tizzy for a little bit, but I feel like I'm out of that now and then I'm okay. And then I can make those choices, but not beating myself up that I ate a ton of cake. I was like, yep, you ate a ton of cake. So let's just not eat a ton of cake today,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, and and you, don't, was... you don't
0: feel good when you do it. You don't feel good. <sighs> like, oh, geez. And it was
1: homemade and delicious and you enjoyed yourself, and like, that's
0: fine. You're not doing that every day. So and I make a mean cake because I make very good cake, I have to say. <laughs> um, so that's, that's important for people to know. Um, but yeah, so that's where um, I do appreciate the feeling of fasting to a degree. I definitely, um, what, let's talk about people doing it for days upon days upon days. What about that? Oh, fasting. it's just fasting. Yeah,
1: it would be water fasting. And there's, there's some really interesting research looking at the immune system resetting with with 72 hours of a water fast but really you have to be like pretty healthy from the get-go to do it because obviously that can be risky if you're not and then anything really over 72 hours should be monitored by a doctor
0: yeah it makes me makes me nervous a little bit okay so let's talk a little bit about being a vegan i'm i'm really I love fruits and vegetables, like love, love, love fruits and vegetables. And I love how vegans have to get really creative to make stuff taste amazing. And their food often tastes so, so, so good.
1: So, the vegan diet I sort of find is one of those where my biggest concern with it is people doing just a poor version of it. Mm. So, I'm not concerned with people doing a good vegan diet the same way that I'm not concerned with people doing a good paleo diet. Um, but what, I, where I am concerned is when people switch to a vegan diet and then, you know, they're, they're eating vegan candies and pasta all day and that's, <laughs> that's all they're eating. And, you know, they're saying that they're vegan. yeah um, so that's, that's where the concern comes in. But I definitely think that we As omnivores and all of our little carnivore people, we need to pay better attention to where our meat is coming from because I Uh, could not agree more that we should not be eating factory farmed meat. I'm completely on board with that. Um, I I also think that we should be eating more vegetables. I think we should be more creative with our food and be eating less processed foods. Um, So I think there's a lot that we can take from a lot of the diets that kind of have their good... Parts to them. We just have to make it work, not only for us, but also for the environment and animals too, because I think that's really important.
0: Well, like I said earlier, how when I did try um, a vegan diet, I would binge out on chicken. I don't even like chicken. That's what's funny. I'm like <laughs> totally a beef um, bison kind of girl, but I would yeah definitely have to roast a chicken and eat like as much of it as I could. Something I like to do for our family is I'll make a smoothie and it's totally vegan, right? So it's got coconut milk and it's got all sorts of things. Um, So I don't have um, every meal doesn't have some element of dairy or meat or you know, some of those different allergens as well. And I think it's nice to have a meal that's totally vegan, you know, so I'm getting some, some of that, the fats from nuts and things like that instead of having any yogurts or milks or anything added. That's one of my favorite ways to kind of incorporate that um, max value nutrition that a vegan would get um, into, you know, just our general daily life, which I think is a really balanced way to do it. Totally. I love that. And do you have more you want to say about the paleo diet?
1: Um interestingly so I'm a an O blood type. I don't there, there's a fantastically amazing naturopathic doctor, his name is Dr. Peter Diodamo, and he was sort of the original proponent of the blood type diet. And I always ask patients when they say they do really well or really poorly with a particular diet. And I do often find it seems sort of correlated with what he he wrote and, mm-hmm. and preached about. Uh, so I am an O type blood and, and do find that I do a lot better sort of in, on, on an omnivore kind of paleo, definitely feel better when I have meat in there and definitely struggle a little bit with the digestibility of like legumes and beans and things like that. But yeah, paleo is just how my body feels really good. So I think with all of these, any of these diets, whether they're fat and you just plan to do them for, you know, four to six weeks or something, or you want it to be more of a lifestyle sort of thing where you're going to do it longer term. It's just so, so important to be like, how did I feel after that meal? Right. Do I feel super energetic? Do I feel like I'm clearing my throat a lot? Cause I got really phlegmy afterwards. Am I feeling exhausted after the meal? Am I getting super bloated? Is my stomach hurting? And kind of really pay attention to all those things because we really can learn so much from our bodies about what, what they want and need.
0: Yeah. Just listening to our bodies and honoring it with what it needs and recognizing like, okay, I ate that and I feel like garbage, you know, yep. like, and some of those things I think you said before, um, those, those foods that are anti-medicine or what did you say? Yeah. Anti-medicine. Yeah. Anti-medicine foods. And I think of that, like a white bread, like some of that stuff that just sounds like, I don't know, just, it doesn't, um, resonate with me. And so that's one of my big things is like learning to explore lots of different foods. I found a girl on Instagram the other day and hers is no crumbs left. That's her name on Instagram. And it's awesome. And she has all these whole 30 recipes and I'm not doing whole 30, but what I love about it is it's, it's a meal with whole foods. It's vegetables. It's not, there's no additives. There's no dairy there's, and it's, it's literally that, um, she just has these fantastic meals with the most intricate flavor and different spices and stuff that just are absolutely Phenomenal. Everyone needs to check out No Crumbs Left. But yeah, I'm not doing whole 30, but like learning to find those recipes so that your meals are really nutrient dense, you know, and then incorporating a lot of that to your life to me is how I want to live, right? And then eat it intuitively. If today I feel like I don't want to eat till one o'clock, I wait till one o'clock. Or if I'm really hungry at eight in the morning, I have something at eight in the morning, right? But to listen to what my body says is like, this feels good. You know what? This doesn't feel good. Like if I eat cheesecake, I don't get sick but I feel gross. Yeah. Learning to just like really listen to the body that way. Yeah. It's so important. What recommendations do you have for people who are doing these diets as far as supplements that would benefit them?
1: They'll all be a little bit different, but sort of the biggest one, the biggest ones of note, I would say with keto, make sure you're watching your electrolytes the other thing that's really important with keto is they were looking at rat studies, but we certainly know this from doing gut testing as well, that even just with a few days of eating really fat heavy diets, it will significantly reduce the sort of the abundance and and the the number of microbe species in your gut. So um, I do... Watch electrolytes, and there are a few other nuances with keto, kind of depending on your case. But the electrolytes and then d- being on like a good probiotic if you're going to do it for a while is important. The other thing is with vegans, we do have to watch their iron levels, we do have to watch mm-hmm. their B12 levels. I find iron and B12 are fairly regular issues for a lot of women in general, Never mind if they're vegan or eating sort of low amounts of meat. And so that's just something we have to be a little bit more cognizant about because it may not be necessarily that you can't be vegan, um, but it may just mean we need to do a little bit of extra supplementing with things to maximize how you're feeling.
0: So they should just contact a naturopathic doctor.
1: Totally. And then we can test the levels and see where they're sitting and make sure that we dose you appropriately because you know if you're really, really low, of course we're going to dose you very differently than if we we're
0: trying to keep you stable and and at the place you're at. Absolutely. And that's it for those. There's none of the other ones. No, I don't
1: think, you know, for the most part with doing these fad diets, there's there's not big supplement recommendations for things. I think it's just really in general, the recommendations around these diets is to just check in with your body, see how it's feeling, adjust as you go, and understand that you're in control of everything. And so if something about a diet doesn't work for you,
0: then change it. That's okay. Okay. So cleanses, this is something I know really very little about. It's funny because right now I'm, I'm interested, I'm curious about cleanses right now, mostly because we are living in such a toxic world with all of the toxicants and fragrances and the Lysol going around everywhere. When truthfully, we need just like soap and water, but it's pretty toxic out there. And so I'm curious. I'm thinking, you know, for myself, like, oh, I should really learn some more from you about cleanses. And also, I did a wild rose cleanse. It's the only cleanse I ever did, and I didn't know I was pregnant. And so I was like, oh, this Mary's crackers and hummus, like everything, made me feel so nauseous. I oh, know. <laughs> I know. And then and then like pretty. Pretty soon after that realized I was definitely pregnant and yeah, so it's definitely not the wild rose cleanse fault that I felt so sick, but, um, but yeah, I, I that's my association in my mind is like, Oh, cleanses and stuff. So, um, what are your thoughts on cleanses and what would you, what cleanses would you recommend? We do This is, this is such a big topic. I feel
1: like we could definitely do a, a cleanse episode all by itself, but to keep it really short and sweet, unfortunately, the body these days is just struggling to keep up. So like, yes, your kidneys do a good job. Yes. Your liver does a good job. Yes. All of your among which are getting rid of waste from different things in your body are doing a really good job. But again, they're struggling to keep up. And that's why I'm seeing patients in my practice with all kinds of conditions, everything from asthma and, and,
0: you know, mm-hmm. autoimmune
1: disease, to infertility, to cancer. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things that unfortunately studies are showing are very much linked to toxicant or uh, toxin, toxin exposure. And so the body is definitely struggling. So
0: what word did you just say? You said a word I've never heard. It was about m- removing other toxins. Oh, A Amonctories. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, among trees, it's just basically the, the things, it's like your lymph that like filters things
0: out and oh, holds okay. waste so that it, it can efficiently get it out of the body. Interesting. So you're saying basically, yes, our bodies do filter stuff out on their own, but it's giving it a little boost. It's kind of setting yourself up for more success.
1: Yeah. And because our bodies are just struggling to keep up, there's something like more than 84,000 different chemicals that we are regularly exposed to for things. And there's a really big study that takes place every handful of years in the States. And some of these chemicals like BPA and phthalates, they're finding in almost a hundred percent of samples. So as, as much as we can limit our exposure to these things is key before you even start to consider doing a cleanse, because we can cleanse you all day, but right. like just stop the exposure. And then we're, you know, we're, we're halfway there. So the hard part with cleanses is that there are some patients who are environmentally ill, who a are likely going to struggle with any of these sort of health food store brand cleanses, because they're probably going to be too much for them too fast, or for a lot of patients especially if they're environmentally ill they're not going to be long enough or supportive enough that they're actually going to do what we want them to do so when we're there's there's a really big difference between kind of cleansing i don't want to say for fun but like sort of cleansing for fun like to me. just like right now i'm just totally. cleansing for fun yeah to give your body a bit of a boost compared to cleansing that we would do for somebody who's environmentally ill and really struggling with symptoms. And we have to go way bigger, way deeper and be way more gentle and careful because it's likely that they're going to flare. What does it mean to be environmentally ill? Oh gosh. So it just means that the body is, is just too overwhelmed. And then we start to see it affecting the biochemical processes and things. So you know, really commonly we'll see stuff like new onset allergies or food sensitivities or multiple chemical sensitivity where you're like, I, you know, I'm really bothered by the strong smells or uh, perfumes or colognes or cigarette smoke or vehicle exhaust or those sorts of things, and that 's really only looking at one one side of it, which is looking at how it 's affecting the immune system. Then we jump into things like hormones where we see you know we 're seeing things like p c o s we 're seeing endometriosis we 're seeing infertility like I mentioned before we 're seeing you know issues with the thyroid, especially with women we 're seeing too that a lot of these chemicals like bpa has literally been called an obesogen so not only does bpa increase the number of fat cells it's increasing the size of the fat cells as well and so it 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 really some of these things can affect or a lot of these things affect so many different things in the body and it, it can be a factor of how much exposure there was or genetics and a combination of things and how stressed out you are and, and sort of, you know, how healthy is the food you're eating, how healthy or not is the air that you're breathing and how healthy or not is the water that you're drinking. And, um, that all then kind of can culminate into people being feeling pretty awesome and good, or people feeling really sick.
0: I'm just thinking right now, I'm, I'm thinking of like what a different world than the world our grandparents were in. I don't know why it just like hit me out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like their concerns were like, are we going to have food for the winter? And our concerns are like, how do we make sure our food isn't killing us?
1: totally and i think it it is sort of different it's just so much everything i feel like about now is just way more overwhelming right it's yeah. our options at the grocery store it's how much we're exposed to social media and what technology looks like in our lives it's the the number of chemicals that we're exposed to i mean certainly back in the day there were still really terrible you know exposures and things like ddt and you know that right. kind of stuff that's really good that it's been removed because they were horrific but there are it's just, there's an overabundance of stuff our bodies are struggling with and trying to deal with these days
0: that, yeah, we're really seeing that, that affecting people. Survival just looks a lot different. Totally. And it's, it's like a pro, you have to be really proactive. Like really at any moment, we're all really lucky we don't have cancer right now. Yeah. Truthfully. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. How often do you think we should do cleanses?
1: So if you're going to do a cleanse, I think, and I sort of maybe didn't answer your first question, but I think that it's really important to understand what you're doing the cleanse for and to know what your goal is because there's a lot of misinformation out there, unfortunately, about cleanses and people will talk about, you know, how chlorella can detox heavy metals and like, it's not a thing. So the unfortunate part is that there is... Truth to what some of the skeptics say when they say like juice cleanses are dumb, and you're like, yeah, sort right. of, but there also is on the flip side, there is a bunch of truth to stuff, and so um, it's really, like I said, really important to understand what you're trying to accomplish and the goal that you're trying to get to, and that will help you sort of pick a direction and choose a cleanse or, or, you know, do some sort of process that that um, that you're aiming for. I took and a
0: ton really, of chlorella years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Just for fun, mostly. I took it when I was pregnant and stuff too, and they were like, "You can oh, wow. survive off of this." Like, I ate regular food, but I took lots of chlorella every day. That's in yeah. pill farm. That's super funny. So then, I if I didn't let you answer, then what cleanses do you recommend?
1: I to be honest, I don't love these like seven day cleanses. Okay, because they they are sort of giving us this false idea that like, oh, we're like my body is toxic toxicant free now, like. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. And so I would really say, figure out why you want to do a cleanse and then chat with a practitioner who can really help tailor what your goals are with, with what you're trying to do so that it's actually effective. But what I would say is, I think that it's sort of nice. And I, I, I know that January is a really easy time to reset, but I think that there can be multiple times per year. Like if you want to start a cleanse February 1st, like go nuts, right. Or want to do something healthy or add in a new habit or like those kinds of things. I think again it's it's a common time that people want to do it to start a new year, but I don't want people to be held back by feeling like they can't just start something today um, right and and so I would suggest to aim more for decreasing your exposure to things um, and I mean this is something that we can chat a little bit more about later but like drink more water drink less alcohol move your body right. listen to your body you know sleep for enough hours um, yeah eat better food, eat local food, eat food that's in season, you know, we we don't have tomatoes growing in Canada generally in January or strawberries. So like, why are you eating the gross strawberries and tomatoes in January that don't taste like anything anyway? So I think there's, there's kind of healthier options. And then the other thing I think that's really important for me to say is that in my personal professional opinion, I don't believe that people should feel sick from cleanses and if they do if they feel nauseated if they feel headachey if they feel flu like if they're getting diarrhea there's something with the cleanse that's doing too much too quickly because i think cleansing should be super chill and should be really pretty easy for most people and should be be like oh wow like my body feels really good with this sure there might be like a couple of days of adjusting especially if you're used to eating you know mcdonald's or you're drinking pop right. every day or those kinds of things but um, I, I'm really a big believer that, you know, you shouldn't, a, a cleanse shouldn't be a time of misery. It should be a time of gently supporting your body to get some stuff out that it's been having trouble getting out.
0: Interesting. I think, um, I'm curious about cleanses just since I started getting acupuncture, which is so funny. And, um, do you get acupuncture? I love acupuncture. You love it. So she'll, she'll put it into like a gallbladder point or my gallbladder and my spleen always seem to be super angry. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need a spleen cleanse because I feel like my spleen is angry. So now I think about cleanses and I never thought about them before, but it's just because I'm like, Oh, what was that? And it'll, you know, it's always my gallbladder or my spleen that seem to be so angry.
1: So also as a side note, the spleen and gallbladder in, in traditional Chinese medicine are very different from what we would consider like spleen and gallbladder stuff in Western medicine. And so spleen hugely, for example, in Chinese medicine is, is often about like digestion and your ability to like absorb nutrients and break it down properly and things.
0: So, um, that's something to look at. Oh, interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. So it
0: could be more, more that. Totally. It's not like, it's
1: not like the physical Western medicine organ itself. It's, it's very, it's quite different.
0: Oh, so maybe my spleen's not so angry. Or your energetic
1: spleen may be angry, but yeah, your, your
0: your anatomical spleen is probably okay. Oh, that's good. Um, is there anything else you want to say about cleanses?
1: Just be careful. You shouldn't have crazy diarrhea or feel terrible with cleanses know what you're getting into. Don't just buy random cleanses. Talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. There's huge environmental training that that I've done post-graduation. And so it's it's really important to find somebody who isn't kind of just making stuff up and relying on on some of the kind of what I would call like old school tales of things that don't right. actually do what people are saying they do.
0: I just realized we forgot one thing, the maple syrup, cayenne, pepper, lemon. Um, yes. The good Tell old spicy about that lemonade one. cleanse.
1: Yeah. So interestingly, when I was in first year in naturopathic school, we all had to pick a cleanse and do it for a little bit just to see how it felt. And that ended up being the one that I picked. It is called the master cleanse. And I did not do that great with it. Um, no, no, it was just too, way too high sugar for my body. So really like the, the maple syrup is all the calories that you're getting from things. And sure the cayenne was stimulating and the lemon juice was probably doing a little bit of something for digestion but i did quite poorly with it and so i i don't love oh my gosh and as a side note this just popped into my head but listeners please hear me please never ever 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 do this do not do gallbladder cleanses they are so unbelievably dangerous and you can die from them it's really important that if if you really want to do one you need imaging done ahead of time. You need to make sure you don't have gallstones that are going to get stuck. And you need to work with a practitioner who really knows what they're doing. That is not something to do on your
0: own. That's like exactly the one I wanted to do. Oh
1: my gosh, please don't do that.
0: (laughs) With like grapefruit and olive oil and like Mm -hmm. Epsom salts. And I don't know, it sounds terrible. It sounds like I would vomit though, or yeah. That's might. really, really interesting and very good advice. So I'm glad you thought about that. So dangerous. Um, I'm glad you thought about that. Something I was doing, um, for the last little book, bit after I read the book, Superfood was the starting my day with, you know, um, room temperature water with lemon juice, cayenne and sea and like Himalayan sea salt. And I don't really know, do you know what that does? Is that just electrolyte balanced?
1: It can be a little bit for sure, but I think um getting some fluids into people the first thing in the day is always really nice for hydration. Room temperature and not cold or super hot water can really gently get digestion going. And then it's the same thing with the the lemon juice. And so I'll often do that when as as part of like SIBO treatment for things without kind of the cayenne pepper, but cayenne pepper can be really kind of stimulating and invigorating and is warming and nice kind of in winter. So um I definitely don't have any concerns with people doing that, but it's it's pretty gentle and it definitely won't be a cure all, but a nice a nice start to the day.
0: A nice start to the day and and a way better option for your body than just immediately starting with coffee. Totally right. A little a little wake up pick me up. Okay, my favorite topic: exercise. Um, I have to say, I'm just going to brag for just a little minute here because I know we talked last month all about pushing and stress and stressing out our bodies and. Um, I'm not always as good at listening to this as I am now. And I have to say, I think it's because the state of the world leaves me so fatigued um, that I've really been listening. And so the last two days I jogged, I did like 4.67 kilometers this morning and I I felt fantastic and it was awesome. And, um, and but then tomorrow, because I jogged two days in a row, I'm like, no, tomorrow you're, you're going to do yoga. And I, you know, my husband and I ended up going to bed later last night. We just like, weren't paying attention to the clock. And I, I moved my alarm clock for the morning instead of, I'm really into my circadian rhythm and I want to go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time. But I was like, nope, because I didn't, you know, make it to bed on time. I'm not going to make my body get up at five thirty still. So I pushed my alarm clock back and I'm trying really hard to listen to what my body needs um and still moving it. And um and then a lot of days, like if the day gets away on me and I say haven't exercised, not doing it because out of guilt or anything, but doing it because I feel better when I move. And um Get some fresh air and stuff too. So I just have to brag about that first because I'm not pushing myself the same way. But if I feel really energetic one day and I'm like, I'm going to run, I run and run and run until I'm like, I don't want to run anymore. And that feels really great. That's almost like intuitive exercise.
1: Totally. And I think that's exactly what you should be aiming for. So if you, you know, despite saying, no, I'm going to do yoga tomorrow, or I mean, you could do yoga and you might say, you know what, I feel super powerful today. I'm going to do a flow yoga.
0: Yeah. Totally. Or
1: no, I'm super exhausted
0: today. I'm going to do restorative yoga or like a yeah. yin class. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yin still kills me. I feel like I'm just like, I oh, have doing so many things instead of like. I feel like you now. extra need it when you say that. Yeah. I know. And you're totally right. I think it's just, I really miss yoga in a studio. I love hot yoga. And so- yogas is, I, I do enjoy a flow, obviously, because that's more my personality, but yin is so beneficial and yeah. I love a yin yang. That's like my favorite. Um, but yeah, yin is definitely, so I recognize um, how important it is to do that. And a lot of nights now I'll like be on my floor doing a few yoga poses before bed because it just makes my spine feel better. Right. So learning that stuff and then doing it when your body's asking, and I have to foam roll my back every night. Like I just feel so good and I sleep better once I've done that. And so giving your body all those little extras, but yeah, let's talk about exercise and how much you think we should do a week and a day and the types you think we should be doing.
1: I feel like you're going to think I'm super annoying for this, but my answer for this yet again, you know, like we've talked about with other things is that you really just have to listen to your body and you have to go, especially with exercise, especially for people who are this January, like newly getting into exercise and feeling really pumped up and excited, like start slow go really gentle. You don't want to overdo it and be like, uh, see, I like hurt myself again. Like this is why I don't exercise. And so it's also really important. Of course, if you've got big health conditions and things like that, to check in with your doctor and make sure stuff is safe. But, you know, even if you've got health conditions, then, you know, start, start with, start with going for a little walk around the neighborhood. You make sure, you know, you're not walking on ice and things like that, or, you know, do some restorative yoga at home, or there are literally exercise classes where it's like, for, you know, older people or people with mobility issues where you're sitting in a chair and you can still do some exercises and things. And so start slow, go really gentle, start where your body is at currently. So this is also the big issue is we see what we so nicely term them as like weekend warriors where Mm -hmm. people don't do anything. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, but like 10 years ago I could do this. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, but like you haven't done it in 10 years. So like, of course you're going to hurt yourself. Right. And so I think really it's, Depending on where you're at, I think starting with just the idea of moving your body every single day, whether it's a little walk, whether it's using your foam roller, whether it's doing a few yoga poses before bed, that's a really good way to start and sort of encourage your body that, oh, yeah, like this feels really good
0: and we want more of this. Absolutely. I'm going to give my tips now because I have some tips in this category. Um, You have to love fitness. You have to do what you love. Like if you love to kickbox, kickbox. If you love... Um, oh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a huge fan of CrossFit because I just think I believe for myself, I think it's too hard on people's bodies. Um, but yeah, stopping when it hurts. Like there's laziness and then there's pain and and there's some things to push through and th- some things to just listen to. Um, but find a way to love it. And so I know like I die if I think about going and just standing on a treadmill at the gym. Like there's nothing worse or an elliptical where my feet burn because <laughs> they get so hot. Like I hate those things. If you have a body. Um issue that means that you have to ride a recumbent bike and that's the only way you get exercise I am like a huge supporter of that But my whole thing is is if you hate it, you're not gonna want to do it And so yeah, say you are in alberta and it's minus 35, but you have a treadmill Well, then find your favorite show or something that stimulates your brain and watch that and it it creates something you look forward to and exercise to where you are weak. So I know that I can get really, I like to call it creaky in my upper back. And so something that I don't like enjoy doing, but it makes me feel really good is rowing or, um, like rowing with dumbbells and stuff, because that it's exercising that area where I sit at a desk all day. And so it's strengthening my upper back and helping me pull my shoulders back and down. And so I think exercising to wear your week is something I would tell people to do. And then get audible books and podcasts, listen to this podcast, um, and grab a friend and go do something like go do stairs, but just walk it, don't run it. And like, I think a lot of people aren't creative enough. And so then they're like, Oh, I never exercise because it's so boring and I hate it. And my best friend hates exercise and she has just committed for a month to doing like 30 minutes a day. And now she loves it. So that's totally, yeah, that's my advice. Yeah.
1: I have two things to add to that. I'd say often too, if you can find something that's more, Purposeful. So, like, maybe you want to do something that's more fun. So, you're like, I want to play tennis. I'll like, oh, play yeah. tennis or play squash, or, you know, there's so many different options for things. And I have this discussion with patients around doing things that are stress relieving. Like, I don't care if you don't want to do X, Y, or Z, like do A, B, or C, but it's finding something totally like you said, that, that you feel really excited and good about doing. And that you're like, yeah, like I want to get out and do that. The the only other thing I want to mention though, that's so important. And I feel like nobody listens to, to us and healthcare practitioners in general, but it's like, you have to stretch. People have to stretch.
0: It's so key. It's as it's as, or I almost want to say more important than exercise.
1: Yeah, I would rather you just stretch and yeah. that be your movement for the day than, than do
0: an exercise and, and not stretch. Afterwards. Well, And, and if, if people go to a gym, like the way they make you stretch there is hogwash. I'm always like, okay, you need like at least, I want to say 35 seconds in every position, if not more if you have time for it. Right. And I used to teach older adult fitness and we would do like a good eight minute or 10 minute stretch at the end. And then you just feel, you feel so much better and it's so kind. And I'll, I'll stretch in the middle of my run too. Like my quads will get tight or my hamstrings will get tight. And I'm just like, if I get a little tweak in my knee, it's often that my hamstring is way too tight. Right. And so like learning even in those ways to listen. Um, but yeah, you got to find fitness that you love and grab a friend or audible books or podcasts. Like there's so many options. I feel like nowadays, um, even in Alberta, I would like, cause I just like live to be outside and I would bundle up. It would be like minus 25. You wouldn't have known it under all my layers though. Like I was sweating and I would just go for a walk with, you know, like my headphones and just listen to something and just being away from your house, being outside, even if it's really cold, really does something for your body. And to be out in the
1: sunshine and that kind of stuff. And really interestingly, as a side note, your body can slowly over time become cold adapted. So if you continue to spend more and more and a little bit more everyday time outside, even when it's chilly, your body will get used to it. That's why then when we have like Chinooks or really weird warm days and it's like, you're like, Oh, it's only minus 10. And after it had been minus 40 for like weeks, you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I could be out here in like a t-shirt and shorts. Right.
0: That makes sense. That's, that's interesting too. I never really thought about that. Um, What do you think about having to get a real sweat on like a couple times a week? Do you think that is important? I think that's nice if people can achieve it, but I think that there are lots of
1: ways to do it if you can't. And so um, if your fitness is at a level where that's an option, go for it. But if, again, if you have like injuries or limitations Mm -hmm. or things, just focus on the movement and, and aim to build up to that eventually, but don't rush and and go slow. Also, I would say the other thing too, is that not everybody sweats that well, which is really interesting. There definitely seems to be a bit of a a genetic sort of predisposition to whether or not you're like a drip sweater at the gym or like not a drip will come out at the gym or, you know, when you're super heavy exercising. And so I also don't want to push because some people are like, I literally can't sweat.
0: That's so interesting because I totally thought that... (laughs) I have, I have a family member. I won't say who, because they'd be embarrassed probably, but, um, I'm like, no, I sweat like a pig, and you sweat like a pig, and we're family. That's why we both sweat like pigs, Um, because she was like embarrassed that she sweats so much, and I'm like, I the bigger my sweat stains, the happier I am. It feels like I've achieved something. And in, yeah. in high school, we'd be like, oh, we have the biggest sweat stains. Like we, you know, we're so we're so healthy and whatever. So it's really funny because I thought that the more active you were, the more your body's like, oh, she's doing this. Like, okay, this is happening. So we're gonna sweat because like I will jog across the street, and I'm not. I I don't sweat very much in real life, like just during the day. But if I like so much as jog across to go to the mailbox, my body's like, okay, it's happening. And I thought, <laughs> oh, no. I thought that that was because I exercise all the time. So it might just be genetics.
1: Yeah. And certainly a combination of things. I think the body can kind of get into sweating, but there's, there's sometimes limitations for people. So I don't, I don't want them to stress out about that. Funny enough too, like, it's the same thing. It's a little bit genetic. My mom is the same, but when I would exercise really hardcore, I'd always get like such a beet red face. And I was always so embarrassed about it, but it just, just is what it is. You gotta, gotta love it.
0: Gotta love it anyway those people who I'm like, I think their head's going to pop off because I feel like they're not sweating, but their face is like so red. And I'm always like, oh, you just need some, you need to just like take the top off your head and let some steam out. That's what it looks like, right? What are some health goals you want us to consider for January?
1: Oh my gosh, this is such a big, important one. And I think that, that it really can be so basic because the basics really can make such a big difference. So Mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to do some crazy diet. Like if you're not that interested in doing keto or, you know, you don't want to do paleo or like whatever, like I talked about before, aim to drink enough water every day, drink some, drink a little less alcohol, aim to move your body every day. I think one thing that's so important, like we talked about last episode with the pushers and the type A's and stuff is slow down and rest. It's not you being lazy. It's you resting your body and recovering. So that's really important. The other really big thing that for, I feel like everybody these days is literally, you're going to laugh when I say this, but to practice breathing. Yeah, We're such terrible shallow breathers and we're often not providing ourselves and bodies with as much oxygen as as we need and so take big deep belly breaths and practice that it's so good for stress it's so good for anxiety and of course is really important for our full bodies Um, make sure you're sleeping ideal time for sleep so you might be like yeah I can function on four hours but but how many hours does your body need to feel fantastic and do that every day
0: you could almost like I think sometimes because I didn't ever, like after I had kids, I just never felt rested again. And my kids slept through the night like really early, but I wasn't making good choices or going to bed early enough. And it wasn't until I came to Vancouver Island and I didn't have a TV and I didn't have internet. And I would go to bed at nine 30 because there was nothing else to do. And I felt the best I've ever felt in my whole life. And it was it was like, I didn't even know that was possible. And so that's where I think people should toy with that. Like, cause a lot of people are like, Oh no, I can't fall asleep. Yeah. Because you've never, your body is not used to it. So I think even just starting to lay down at like eight 45, see how your body feels. And pretty quickly, like if you're reading, you get pretty sleepy. Yeah. If, you, if you don't <laughs> catch a second wind.
1: Yeah. Without your phone, without a yeah. TV on, don't be watching crazy stuff. Like it's huge. And you know, what's cheap and easy and, and free sleeping more. I know. And so right, like for breathing you. more, drinking more water, like these things are all so, so huge. And and I feel like we would get rid of a lot of beginnings of health issues if people could do them more. Um, I have a few more that I are so important. Sort out the stuff that's eating at you. That stress mm. is killing you. For all those dorky readers out there, the fantastic, fantastic book that Dr. Gabor Mate wrote is called When the Body Says No. It's a huge one that I recommend to all my type A's and all my pushers in practice and is, is such an important read for people who aren't listening to their bodies.
0: Well, I'm listening, Um, but I'm going to read it because I just got new audible credit. So I'm going to get it when the body says no. Okay. Yes. And then
1: read a book. That's another thing. I feel like not enough people are spending enough time, you know, just literally reading. Reading is so good for your brain. It's so good for your mind. It will help you fall asleep at night. Um, I feel like too, I'm definitely a nerd. So like who has time to read fiction? I'm always reading some new nonfiction something or learning about this or that. And so I would encourage that too. Um, certainly learning new skills or hobbies, like don't feel like you have to do a fad diet, like take up, take up knitting or, you know, like have some, some fun hobby you do. Um, and you should definitely join us and check it out because, um, I've got my membership opening again this month and we're going to do, um, a, a free challenge where it's basically like prep or plan your garden for the year. So you guys should definitely join me for that. Cause not only is that a fantastic skill and hobby to have because you're physically moving your body while you're gardening and, and doing all that sort of stuff, but you're eating better food. That's local that you've grown. That doesn't have, you know, chemicals sprayed on top of it and all that kind of good stuff. So how do they um, sign def- up for that? come find me on Instagram. It's just at Dr. Shannon Morgenstern. And there will be a link on
0: my page that that you can join us for that. Okay. That's awesome. Um, The other thing I was going to say is like you said, just now with learning a new skill or hobby, I didn't realize how much I needed this podcast. Like I wanted, I wanted good stories out in the world where people could hear other people's point of view and just like kind of challenge the status quo. But it's become my favorite thing is every week I record an episode with some great woman and I enjoy and it, it's, it's the creating that I didn't even know I needed that brings me so much joy, right? So it can be like something so unconventional that you never thought about or like learning to cook if you're not a cook or- totally right? Like different things. And there are so many free resources out there and on the internet that you can use. And I think creating is something that we, like, I'm not a creative person typically, but so I just find different ways to create. Like I love to cook and I love to bake and things like that. And so that's where I think, I think that's such good advice. And then the practicing breathing, um, I've done yoga probably since 2000 or 2005. And one of the things I think is that yoga has taught me how to deep breathe. As soon as I get on my yoga mat and I start going into poses, I'm just breathing. Usually when they say like, inhale, exhale, and you're breathing so deep that that's the other thing that's so good about yoga is if you're doing it as they tell you, you're getting a lot of cleansing breath through that yoga.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's Which huge. is
0: is super beneficial. So, thanks for this fantastic conversation. As always, I hope people learned a lot and are ready to not abuse themselves this January, but <laughs> give themselves some grace and some good nutrition and exercise.
1: Yeah, be gentle, go slow, listen to your body, and good things will happen. I wanted to mention too that that connection piece is something that is so important, not only for our bodies and how we're actually doing, but also in relationship to our food. This is why I've created the Food is Medicine course and membership, where I teach people the basics of growing your own food and gardening, foraging some food and medicine in the wild, preserving methods to give you a variety of options for longer-term storage, and cooking super healthy and delicious meals. And this is all while tying it back to create long-lasting health and wellness for you. We'll be opening it up again for new members in January, so definitely come and find me on Instagram at Dr. Shannon Morgenstern. And make sure you check out my growing, preserving, and foraging your own herbal medicine cabinet at home while you wait. I would love to have you join us, so definitely reach out if you're interested or have any questions.
0: Well, that was so much fun. Thanks so much for being here. Please click subscribe, rate and review this podcast, share it with everyone you know, and I will be back here next week with more stories, more courage, more vulnerability, and just a little more Jody to brighten your day.